Hi there, this is Abel James, and welcome to the Fat Burning Man Show. Today, I'm really excited to be here with John Benson, the creator of Fit Over 40 and tons of other awesome books. But before we get to that, I have a quick favor to ask from you. If you are one of the thousands of people out there who downloaded my free ebook, uh, Intro to Paleo, if you could just take a quick minute to hop on Amazon.com, type in Intro to Paleo, it should come up under Abel James, and just click the like button and leave a quick review. I would really appreciate it. And in fact, I'll give away a free copy of my book and the entire package, uh, The Lean Body Lifestyle, which is usually 47 bucks for free to one of the lucky people who leaves a review. So if you could just take a quick minute to do that, that would be awesome. And also, if you, in case you missed it and didn't download it yet, it's a 44-page ebook. I'm running a free promotion on Amazon right now for the next three days, and you can get it there if you want to download it for your Kindle or read it right on your computer, or you can bounce on over to fatburningman.com and pick it up there and watch the free video also. But yeah, if you could just take a quick second to leave a review of the Intro to Paleo book on Amazon, I would really appreciate it. All right, so on to the interview with John. We talk about how to go from having a heart attack and a 48-inch waist to landing on the cover of bodybuilding magazines, how to beat Tim Ferriss' muscle-building protocol by three hours and 53 minutes, why eating Twinkies for breakfast is a bad idea, and what it's like to live down the street from Marxism. All right, let's go hang out with John. All right, we're here with John Benson, bodybuilder, nutrition and fitness author, and general madman. What's up, John? <laughs> hey, April, what's going on, man? <laughs> Life is good. So you're there in, in uh, Malibu, right? Malibu, CA, yes. That's got to yes. be awesome this time of year, and it, generally yeah. every time of the year, I guess. <laughs> except, for, except for June. Yeah, it's known as June gloom. It hasn't started yet, but uh, it will. Well, I'm ready to be in the fetal position all summer here in Austin. It's, uh, it's already like sticky season. So I've heard. So I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I don't. I got to tell you, I, I love the people in Austin, but I do not miss that place. The weather. I do not miss the weather. The so. Summer's pretty rough, but it's a rocking place. And you get back here every once in a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I always get back and go go to Dave Gooden's gym and hang out with him, and you know, go hang out with the marketing guys. <laughs> yeah. You know those weird marketing guys. They are pretty weird, dude. <laughs> but anyway, I'm so stoked that you you came on. Um, I love your books, and of like all the folks that I've interviewed so far, uh, your change might be like the most stunning. So, if I can summarize your story here, from what I understand, in your mid 30s, your doctor basically told you that you probably wouldn't make it to 40, right? And so you were grossly obese. You uh, you weighed like 250, super high blood pressure, like a walking stroke. So just before you hit 40, you actually reached a ripped 186 pounds and went down to like 6.5% body fat. And if you look at the pictures, it's just shocking. So what, what in the world happened in between? What's your story? Um, not to make things sound, sound even more dramatic, but it was, it was actually a lot worse than, than that. Um, yeah. it was in my, I was 27 when I was first diagnosed with the, we don't know what this is syndrome. Um, which is basically, uh, uh I was diagnosed with having virtually no testosterone without any symptoms of it. Uh, I, no, no thyroid hormone at all. Wow. Um, and, and this was like, you know, to the point of where the doctor just started calling me the freak. He said, there's, <laughs> we don't understand how you could be, have a total testosterone level of 52, yeah. and, which is that of a dead person and still be able to even walk, let alone like train or have sex or anything normal. Mm -hmm. 
like, you know, so it, so that's where it all started. There's some sort of hormonal cascade that happened probably when I had I had pneumonia earlier, and it might have just just damaged some parts of the brain. But yeah. whatever happened, it messed up a lot of metabolic pathways because my cholesterol, um, which is not the cause of heart disease at all, uh, but is certainly a symptom of inflammation, shot up to over 500, which is almost wow. impossible to do without familial familial hypolipidemia, which I don't have. Yeah. Uh, triglycerides went to 3,000, which to my to my note, that's probably the highest of anyone I've ever heard. Yeah, so that's my, like a preposterous number. It's, it, it is preposterous. And, and of course, I ended up with heart disease. I mean, yeah. very quickly. So mm -hmm. I, I had heart disease all through, you know, I just now have been able to reverse that condition using diet. It's in the right sort of supplementation and just a little bit of drugs. Um, as few as few drugs as humanly possible, but when yeah. you've had a you know heart attack like I have, which I which I had years ago, mm -hmm. uh, at, at such a young age, <laughs> that you wake up, you you, you do whatever you, it takes to to have this happen, and it should it should have killed me. And my my waistline was actually forty eight inches and oh, uh, wow. two hundred seventy two pounds and thirty eight percent body fat. So, Jeez. so yeah, so it, yeah, it goes on and on and on. So I don't want to bore people with the the how messed up is John's story, but it, I I've been through everything from gout to having care being care flighted out of my house to. Yeah. A hospital in the middle of the night, which is something I don't recommend. Um, no, as, yeah, pleasure trip. So, um, so the the fascination for this came in. I, I knew the psychology of what was driving me to do this. I mean, most people that I, I've talked to, and this is where I really I think have a a major story to help women um, and the men who are brave enough to listen to this. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting because my message comes across primarily to women and very brave guys. Yeah. <laughs> because they're much stronger. I'm telling you right out, man. It's like they are much, much stronger to deal with the emotional fact that they're building a wall around themselves. They're, yeah. literally, they're literally constructing, you know, a, 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 something they don't want. They don't want. They don't want intimacy in. They don't want. They don't want friends and something they don't. They want to keep out. Mm -hmm. And food is a way to do that. It's not just something that's addictive, which it is. It's also something that creates that that wall. And most guys do it by going to the gym, you know, and they, 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 you know, it's kind of funny because being a bodybuilder, you think, oh, you're doing it now. No, I actually do it because it's, it's an art form. I love it. And yeah. I love, love the look of it. Oh, I do it for all the, all the silly reasons. Like, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, the, uh, so that's, that's what really got me started in, down this road is I started thinking about, well, first of all, why am I eating pizza and ice cream and burgers all day long? Yeah. For breakfast, I would have Twinkies. This, I mean, I know. Really? Oh yeah, I would have oh, the worst diet you can possibly imagine. Um, and so why? You know, why? Basically, it was just a slow death by nor, you know by fork and spoon. If you mm -hmm. that I use a fork, so um, so so when I started looking at what was going on, I, there's obviously some depressive factors going on and all that. And so what woke me up? What caused me to completely say enough's enough is I uh, I'm a dive master. I do a love scuba diving, and um, I was on a routine dive for for me. It was a routine dive. Mm -hmm. I was uh, in Mexico. Um, I was I was in the very back. Um, they were short dive masters, so um, I dove in uh, literally. And you do a drift on on this particular wall dive. It's drift, so you just sit there and you drift down the wall. It's a very Nice dive, but it's it's like a two thousand foot drop. Yeah. So you straight into black, which for some people it freaks them out. And I, I'm never sure. I think it's kind of cool, like you're in space. But <laughs> most people are about eighty five, ninety feet. I stayed about one hundred five, one ten to make sure that no one freaks out and dives down. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I can catch them if they do, and that that happens occasionally. And then all of a sudden, I had a massive panic attack, and I thought it was a heart attack. Yeah. Because 
they're very different, very difficult to differentiate. Mm -hmm. Um, and when that happened, um, for at least 60 feet, all my training went out the window. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and because it was like, you know, I'm dying, I have to get out of here. And I, that's the only thing I could think. And if I would not have had that training pop in my head at some point, I would be dead or forever narked, you know, into oblivion or in, you know, worse. Mm -hmm. Um, so I caught myself before I got to the, to the, I really went a little past, but I caught myself and I was breathing out so much, thank, thank goodness, um, that it didn't affect me. And I stayed down long enough to where I wouldn't get the bends and yeah. surfaced and hoped I didn't have to spend time in a decon chamber, which I didn't. But sitting there in the middle of the ocean, which is a weird place to be, um, you know, where you can see land, but you're so far away, you know, you're just in there. The dive boat's like way away. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> Other, you know, quite a way. So I can see it, but I'm like, you feel like you're just all alone. And I had this time to myself thinking, okay, I am just not going to do this. I mean, I, <laughs> it's that I thought at the time that the panic attack, because it went away and I knew it wasn't a heart attack after I got up and kind of got my senses mm-hmm. inside. The body just doesn't do this for no reason. And I attributed this to my diet and lifestyle. It turns to find out that that's not what caused the panic attack at all, but that doesn't matter because it got me started. Yeah. And so when I got started, I just returned to um, what I already knew. So the one thing that I really want to get across to listeners is what you know doesn't matter. I mean, I had, you know, background in nutrition, minored in nutrition. I studied it for six, seven years. I was a bodybuilder in college, an athlete throughout high school and college. I knew how to train and I knew roughly what to eat, or at least I thought I did. Um, But what you know isn't nearly as important as what you re- is what you apply. Yes. So one of my favorite sayings is we need to be reminded more than we need to be taught. So I like that. Yeah. This was a massive reminder. Um, and I, I try to like focus books, my, my books and, and posts and things like that, just reminding people of what they may already know, mm-hmm. but it's very easy to forget. And I forgot to, to well, almost cost me my life. So, um, so that's what did it. That's what, that was the turnaround, and and it didn't take long. I mean, it took me about a year to get the fat off, and because I did it the right way, I didn't just, you know, I didn't dump sixty pounds in sixty days or something crazy like that. Yeah. So how did you do it? Um, the first thing I did is I, I, I went back to the roots of of, um, of bodybuilding, literally, because mm-hmm. I, my approach to this is is really simple. If you wanted to start a business, um, would you listen to Someone who either didn't have a business, or someone like that was that was born into money, or someone like Donald Trump who, had a, who was make, making billions of dollars, or do you listen to someone that was closer to where you were at, someone mm-hmm. who where you are and who has succeeded, who's continually succeeding? In other words, a role model. So yeah. I went back to the the closest role models that I could find, and at the time, this was, you know, in the in the '90s, the 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 physical role models at the time they were just crap. I mean. Bill Phillips had a good magazine out at the time because, uh, and I remember one of his mentors, one of my mentors was Dan Duchesne, the nutritionist that used to write for Bill's stuff. And right. Sean, who ended up becoming a good friend, Bill's brother, was a physical mentor. And so I started looking at what they were doing and reading their stuff. And then I got really back into hardcore nutrition, thinking, okay, look, this has something to do with glucose pathway and, you know, uh, issues and et cetera. So I actually went back to a retro diet way before the word paleo became mm-hmm. a thing. Um, I ate much closer to a caveman than um, than I ever thought I would. Yeah. <laughs> I cut out I cut out all basically all grains, all starches, uh, potatoes, anything that anything white basically. Yeah. 
And, um, and I reserved myself at the time I did one day and I would eat everything I'd want. Like everybody else suggested, like body for life suggested did not work. And I'd never recommend it to people mm-hmm. did work. And what was the foundation of every other day diet was I would eat something every two or three, for me, it was every two or three days. Cause I was trying to get an athletic condition. I would eat something small. I would eat just one or two things small during that day that mm-hmm. would bump calories by 750 or so. And then eat a lot less on the other days. Yeah. And that worked for me. It didn't freak my system out. In fact, it caused the fat loss to accelerate. So that's what I happened. And that, that's what I did. And that's what uh, also I, naturally when you do, take those days off, you don't go for steak. You end up going for something carbohydrate. So why yeah. the glycogen that went down would be replenished in, the, in, in, in those days? And then I, it, I just kept going. And then it got crazy. My body started being able to handle sugar so well I could go 10, 12 days without any carbohydrate in my system at all and still get a muscle pump. Isn't that awesome how that works? The yeah. human body is just incredible what it can it adapt is. to. And if I can pass one more little bit of information on yeah. people. And, and the, I, I have this debate with doctors, cardiologists, you know, uh, nutritionists all the time. Um, you've heard the phrase, there's no such thing as essential carbohydrate probably. And if you yeah. have heard it, there's no such thing as essential carbohydrate. You have essential <laughs> fatty acids, essential amino acids. You have no essential carbohydrates. doesn't mean that vegetables aren't good for you. I'm a huge fan of, of green vegetables, big, mm-hmm. big fan. Um, what I'm saying is, is that if you, if you have to look at what to cut out of your diet, you know, the body pr- pr- provides a pretty good blueprint on what was abundant and what wasn't abundant, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's what I went by. What was, what, how did we eat back then? How did we live back then? And the fact of the matter is, is I, I understood the age thing of dying at 26 was primarily due to childbirth and, and all that stuff. And, yeah. and so the people who survived would survive with a pretty much disease free. So that's what I went to and that's what worked in it. It just, uh, it still does. And your body makes its own sugar process called gluconeogenesis. So right. if you're worried about, oh, where will my brain get fuel? That's a, that's it's 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 a silly argument because your brain will make enough of it. And yeah, it. So. and it's it's so interesting because I actually got into this this thinking around nutrition through bodybuilding. Some of the same tomes that you talked about, um, and that is kind of the perspective that I had before I came into paleo. Now it's it's just like kind of overlapped or subsumed all of these other concepts right so now there's a big overlap between like paleo crossfit bodybuilding and all these things but it's been around for a long time like you said yeah yeah it, it's i don't know about you abel but it's it's funny looking back and seeing you know what what is old is new again you know yeah <laughs> but but that's cool and because I, I never i never wanted to get in, i never wanted to be one of those guys that said yeah back in the 30s we did that before you did <laughs> I don't want to, I want to be one of those guys. Now, yes, I was not going to be one of those guys. But when you see someone talking about like um, you know eat, eating a you know the paleo thing being new, it, mm-hmm. it is new to call it paleo. But right. the style of eating is literally the oldest one there is. So <laughs> you know it's uh, it's it's probably not not a good idea to call anything new. But um, the way that, that that we do it is is pretty cool because the fact of the matter is is we live in an estrogen rich environment mm-hmm. and we live in the most carbohydrate-rich environment in the history of histories. There is no way the body could have evolved or planned for this. There's just no way. Even 200 years ago, that's how the fact, the changes come in in less than 100 years. But 200 years ago, I mean, the consumption of sugar and carbohydrates was ridiculously lower, even with a grain society. I mean, so that's where we're at, and that's what we're battling. And, and it's so when you, when I, I don't know about you, but when I see these studies of you know childhood obesity rates are going through the roof, and you know I don't know if you saw the, the most recent one, but you know we're we're approaching the fifty percent mark on yeah. childhood, you know. Ugh. 
and we look at the schools and, you know, it's not just ch- children, it's, you know, 20, 20 somethings as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's to say that they're, they're unfit is a radical understatement. And so when you combine the absolute horrid diet, that is, in my opinion, this is a government issue. In other words, like the government has never been right about this issue. I do a whole spiel on how the, 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 the food plate, how the my plate and the food pyramid got started, why the wheat and corn industries are subsidized, mm-hmm. <laughs> how those two things managed to come together. 11 servings of grains a day. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> are you freaking kidding me? That, 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 for what? And I, yeah. so, can talk to any nutritionist and go, why? You just give me one reason why. And they can't. Uh, there isn't one reason why, except for it, it's based on... <laughs> because so, they said so. <laughs> because they said so. Yeah, yeah. And so and so parents grow up, they don't know better. And, you know, they grow up because they don't study nutrition anymore than I study finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody could say, invest in gold. I go, oh, okay, he, he looks rich, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, it's that kind of the same mentality. So so I've, my, I've made it my life's mission to spread the word that, that uh, you know... Uh, the foundation of a diet being being uh, you know fat, protein, and vegetables is a good thing. Yeah, and then and carb cycling and some tricks like that can also help upregulate certain hormones and that sort of thing. Exactly, and it's not only not only that, but you can you can't really live in a cave. I mean, yeah. but it's, <laughs> most it's of us anyway. And I, I love my pizza. You know, I, I really enjoy dessert. I had dessert a couple of days ago. I mean, it's not like you know, I, I I just don't want to be. I'm not a food puritan either, and I never will be. Yeah. Even though my cardiologist would love to see me be a food puritan, because I mean, he, you know, I still have a few levels he'd like to see lower a little bit, but overall, my blood work is really good. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Well, maybe if you just cut this down and cut this out entirely." And I'm like, "You know, life's just too short, and mm-hmm. everything's clear." So I know everything's clear in my arteries. So, but it's it's too it's too short to to just cut everything out. So. Um, I, I admire Puritans, but I'm, I'll never be one. So, so that's the foundation of what I did is I worked in just enough to satisfy me and enough to break the addiction Yeah. Uh, or excuse me, not enough, um, not too much so that the addiction will get no more Twinkies for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The worst I get now is a protein bar if I'm in a hurry. So there you go. (laughs) So going back to bodybuilding, like one of the things that fascinated me about it is that some of these guys are so crazy and so OCD about it and so driven that they discover extremely effective and, you know, natural mass building and fat burning techniques that are years and decades ahead of what everyone else seems to know. Mm-hmm. So what do you think are some of the most useful like tricks for muscle growth or fat loss that you took from the world of bodybuilding? Oh man. Um, there's a lot of them. Uh, if you want to talk muscle building first, um, the mantra in seven minute muscle, uh, in seven minute body, which was written years before four hour body. And might I say, I have Tim beat by three hours and 53 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, which is a longstanding joke between Tim and I, of course, he told <laughs> Well, so it's not so funny anymore. But uh, <laughs> but no, seven minute body did, did real well. And but the foundation behind that training was how fast can you get it done? So yeah. um, density training is probably one of the my biggest. You know, you've got to do this if you want to build muscle, kind of things. And, and density training has been around a lot longer than most people think. I'd probably attribute it to Vince Gironda mm-hmm. as, as the the real pioneer of. of doing the eight sets of eight and things like that. But I distilled that information down and, and, and took it and combined it with a couple other things that every, everybody from Poliquin to, to you know, fill in the blank researchers discovered. And so I came up with the mantra, um, you want to speed up and slow down. 
when you train. Yeah. So in other words, you want to just slow the, emphasize the negative movement, but you want to explode the positive. Mm-hmm. And when you do that into a full range rather than just partial reps, I mean, that's really, that's a huge catalyst for growth. Um, you just have to lower the weight. And that's the problem is most people train with their egos, not with their muscles. Yeah. <laughs> We're all guilty of that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Sometime I think it's good to do. I mean, because you don't always do that. Like if you're going for a max squat or something like that. But, but the other thing, uh, I'll give you two of them. Uh, speed up and slow down. That's a huge, huge um, trick, if you want to call it, to um, to putting on muscle mass faster. Muscle mass has much, much more to do with brevity training and eating than it has to do with anything else. And I'm putting aside hormones, of course. You know, make sure your hormones are in balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your hormones are or imbalanced, excuse me, um, then you've got a real problem. No matter what you do, you're not going to you're not going to gain much. Right. So, assuming that your hormones are in balance, um, then then brevity training combined with more rest. So, in other words, I'd much rather train for train a body part 15 to 20 minutes and then rest it for seven days, mm-hmm. then train and train a body part for an hour and rest it three days and and keep that cycle going. Yeah. Because you know, that's just for me. I mean, some people can recover that fast. I mean, I know people who do, but I, I, I'm not one of them. So, and is it necessary? You have to ask yourself. Well, there's uh, 53 out of 54 studies that I cited in Seven Minute Body said no, it was yeah. not necessary. And you know, as far as bodybuilders go, though, if you look at them, uh, I, I enjoy volume training, mm-hmm. so I combine the two. Yeah. So that was the again. It's kind of like the dietary approach. Is is like I, I, I like doing 15 sets for chest sometimes, just because the repetition is kind of hypnotic mm-hmm. and there's something to be said about capillary growth from for repetition and, and you know ex- different hitting you know different you know different muscle fiber types and all that but for the predominant thing yeah it's it's brief and brutal then leave and eat yeah it's you asked about fat loss as far as again we're talking about no no stems no supplements and if anyone want, if anyone's curious no i don't do anabolic steroids no i don't do any sort of stimulants whatsoever yeah um, I did prior to my heart attack, uh, stimulants, not animal steroids, but, but yeah. I did the fat burners and I'm not hundred percent positive, but probably contributed to that. Um, you know, in the process of me trying, but I already had heart disease from the time I was in my twenties and I basically ignored it. So, mm-hmm. um, but one of the biggest fat burning tricks that, that I have been using lately is, well, it's two things. First of all is everybody knows about, you know, you've got the, the burst style training of cardio where you where it's interval based cardio. Right. Um, but what a, a lot of people haven't taken advantage of is the same thing within their actual weight training sessions and then follow it with a cardio session. So when you do that burst style training in your weight training session, so in other words, even if you are doing volume oriented training, if you just take like, you, let's say you do two or three movements per body part, you take one of the, one of those movements and you just make it a, you know, six reps or six, six reps of six or three reps of 10. Mm-hmm done with 15 seconds of rest and it's all burst and so like you burst up and slow down burst up and slow down it's the same basic biological principle mm-hmm. um, so you do that throughout your workout so your, your pulse rate's going up down up down and then when you're done what's happened is you've liberated a lot of triglycerides into this bloodstream you've liberated a lot of free fatty acids into the bloodstream and if you don't burn them off with energy with some sort of expenditure of energy they can be stored again or worse so that's the ideal time to do cardio yeah so at that point all you got to do to burn them off is really walk fast mm-hmm. so 
So the combination of that is, is, is wonderful. But again, most fat loss comes from dieting, and, and the, the best fat loss diet I've ever tried is, is low carbs, and, and you go to bed slightly hungry. It's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I've been like really interested. I, my uh, listeners know that I don't really go to the gym, but when I do travel, I always try to work out in some way or another. And one of the things that I've found is that even if I have smaller weights and I'm traveling for a while, like back at my home in New Hampshire where my parents live, that's I always have like smaller weights there. <laughs> I just have like stones or something that I'll toss around. But mm-hmm. when I have those smaller weights, I really start to emphasize power, you know, and doing the workouts like you were talking about. And it's amazing how much growth you can achieve that way. Um, you don't need super heavy weights all the time in order to achieve that and really improve uh, your strength. You don't. And the more that, you know, living in California, uh, both in my in my early, I was living out here when I was a teenager in early 20s and going to music school. And I'm, now again, um, you get to you get to find out a whole lot about, you know, what how bodybuilders really trained, mm-hmm. um, especially because I, I don't as far as bodybuilders today, I could care less. Um, I don't even follow it because the drugs, <laughs> the drugs are so ridiculously rampant. I mean, mm-hmm. like um, they, they used drugs in the '70s too, but they used what the level of the drugs they used would be close to what we call anti-aging. Mm-hmm. So it was such a little bitty part of what their physiques, how their physiques were built, and you can see it. Yeah, guys like Zane and Arnold and, and Sergey Bray. When you see those guys, they all look radically different. Yeah, you see the guys today; it's very difficult to tell them apart. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I just completely ignore that that thing, and I go back to guys that took the least amount of drugs, and the guys that that obviously they've got great genetics. There's no getting around that. But mm-hmm. uh, how did they train? And you know what? They they did train with a lot of them trained with significantly lighter weights than you think, and it was and they did train with volume. So if you want sheer size, that is a valid approach to go by. Uh, at least it works for them. The studies that indicate that it's not are studies with real human beings. In other yeah. words, these guys have great genetics. They're they're also eating and training in ways that most people will never be able to go through. So if you have the time, that I think it does work. Uh, and if you have the ability to recover, yes. So let me just throw this out. Here's what I I do and I recommend others to do: is take the time with your weakest body part and see how it responds. For example, my weakest body part is biceps. So. I'll hit biceps two to three times a week uh, for like a six to eight week cycle. Mm-hmm. And I will try like ridiculously high sets, like 15, 16, 20 sets. Wow. And, but, but, they're all, but it's all with like, I mean, I can curl 70 pound dumbbells, but uh-huh. I don't I'll curl 25 pound dumbbells. Okay. It's harder. Yeah. <laughs> it's harder because your concentration is just, ha- you have, there's no way to do this while keeping concentration. So, yeah, that, that's. Um, I think you're right. So in other words, I think you're right. And I think more people should train with with less weight and more focus. Yeah, and you raised an interesting, or something that's really fascinating to me too, uh, genetics versus training and nutrition. Like, <laughs> not that you can give it a percentage necessarily, but like what is the value of genetics in terms of reaching some goal? You know, that's a great question. Um, there was a study that I read that I, I was going to blog about, and then I, and I can't remember something happened that was like traumatic, and I had to like in my life I forgot that a friend of mine died or something. It was it's, <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah. But uh, I just remember something was like really bad. It kept me from doing it, and I forgot about it. But uh, I remember the study, and the study was talking about how important is genetics to everything from fitness to obesity to intelligence, and not as much as we thought. Yeah. Was the conclusion. Mm-hmm. 
However, that being said, uh, genetics is extreme. That, that's number one, optimizing everything. You, it, it, so I, I used to say 70% of it was genetics. Now I say it's about 30, 40. Oh, wow. And so like if you, but that's assuming that you optimize everything that you're eating, you're eating on the clock, you're eating very well, uh, you're training very hard and you're resting even harder. I mean, that's like a complete, you know, um, reverse plan words, but it's, that's what I mean. You have to rest hard. I mean, (laughs) and these guys don't do that. I mean, they, they don't go to sleep at night and, 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 and that's so important you know, to get this, get those eight hours. But so if you're doing all of that, your genetics can take a, take a bypass, but it's still your, what, what they're looking at is DNA versus RNA. And mm-hmm. found is a lot of, or what they found is a lot of, uh, traits that are immediate, like whether it's fat storage or intelligence come from RNA sequencing and down sequencing down from mom and dad, literally. Yeah. yeah. And, and RNA can change. So you can change the next generation of your, of your, your children by your lifestyle, which is kind of, first of all, it's inspiring. It is. That genetics does determine, and I, I, I've not seen any compelling evidence to get around this. No matter what you hear, like m- mythically in the gym, is a shape of a muscle, how big a certain muscle can be. Yeah, it only has X amount of you know muscle cells in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's hyperplasia. Is for those of who don't know, is the theory that you can actually you know gain, uh, actually increase muscle cells, and it is a viable theory. Uh, if that's true, then then the muscle size may get bigger, but the shape of the muscle will never never change. Yeah, so uh, it it shouldn't be an excuse. Like it's not a big enough issue to actually be an excuse. No, I, and you know, I mean, obviously, I had crap genetics. I mean, good <laughs> genetics for shape. I mean, like yeah. you know, wide shoulders, narrow waist, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But you'd never know it underneath the underneath the huge amount of blubber I was carrying around and, and obviously just one disease state after another. I mean, really, really horrible genetics for what I'm doing. So part of it was like climbing a mountain. Just I knew it was difficult to want to try it. Um, but there are people out there with worse in the sense that, that, I mean, there's guys out there who are 600 pounds or there's guys out there that have like some condition that prevents them from, uh, like they have osteoarthritis and they, and they don't think they can, can, can train and that makes it more difficult. But, my challenge to you is is to unless you know 100% for sure that something is genetic don't use the i've got weak knees i've got a weak back uh, i've got osteoarthritis i've heard all of those excuses before and i've seen every single one of them overcome yeah uh, so i don't think that the people that i've seen overcome these things are any better than anyone else listening like many people that i know overcame osteoarthritis simply by getting rid of grains uh, i mean a yeah. lot of people have a gluten and wheat intolerance that just will not go away uh, corn triggered it in one girl that I knew that was in a, she was in a wheelchair, literally in a wheelchair. Now she climbs mountains. That's amazing. So this is not like in the, no drugs. This is just eliminating corn. She was really, it took her a while to figure out what it was. And there's yeah. corn in just about everything. Um, and so, and corn's yeah. pretty gnarly these days too. Oh God, man. Don't even get me started on the, uh, on the, Oh, have you seen the, the commercials? I'm sure you have how, about how high fructose corn syrup is actually healthy. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was just on Facebook talking about that, t- that today, uh, there's a big thing in New York right now. I don't know if you saw this about soft drinks. They might not be able to, uh, to sell the biggest size anymore. And a spokesperson came out, uh, in defense of high fructose corn syrup and, and said that there's that soda drinking is not at all related to the obesity crisis. 
No, of course, <laughs> of course not. Yeah, yeah it, 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 just because you know it's 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 they're they're quoting a logical fallacy and they say oh you know equivocation you know, it's a, it's a, it's the the fallacy of equivocation just because a and b are this are going up at the same time doesn't mean a and b are equivalent. Right. However, we know a and b are equivalent because we, <laughs> this is like thoroughly tested. I mean, this is not a guess, and 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 yeah. you know even common sense would tell you yeah drinking pure sugar uh, yeah what's it going to do to you. Um, <laughs> It's it's amazing how much we we've turned food and nutrition and common freaking sense into a political statement. Yeah. Like nowadays, if you know, if Michelle Obama and I personally, I don't care who I've been by the statement. Um, those who know me well know I don't really care anyway. Uh, <laughs> but when a Michelle Obama goes out and says, "Hey, you know, kids, we need to eat healthier," and someone accuses her of being anti-American. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you, you've got to be joking, right? Are we? Have we gotten off that far down the road? I hope not. But that's—I don't see any solution around this other than, uh, hopefully, not government, but hopefully some form of like control coming in and saying, "Look, uh, enough! No more junk food in, in the schools. Yeah. If you want to bring junk food, it's your right, but we're just not going to serve it." Yeah. I, I, unless we get there, it, this will not go away. And and for the folks listening, look, exercise is extremely important. Do not get me wrong. But I'm not kidding when I say this. 75% of your success is nutrition. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. And I know that's really hard to get to wrap your head around for some people. They think, but this is why you see obese marathon runners. Yeah. You you do. You know, you don't see very many obese sprinters because they're actually doing anaerobic exercise, but as well as aerobic. But um, but you you see a ton out here. You can. I, I know a lot of people that bike. They do this insane bike ride. It's uh, it's up into the this this. We have a um, Malibu canyons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go all the way up in canyons and all the way around. It's like 15, 20 miles of biking, and 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 they you can come up to them and pinch a handful of fat around their stomach. Yeah. Well, and, even that that happened to me when I was marathoning. I had a higher body fat than I do today, and I exercise literally like minutes out of the week, not including walking. And it's, it's, I have a video about that. How I took pictures of me while I was marathoning and pictures of me, uh, running, you know, five to 10 miles a week and just incorporating sprints. And it's like shocking. Like I lost body fat. There's yeah. so much more definition and I felt so much better. Oh, I get it, man. I, I mean, this is no offense. If anyone out there is listening as a marathoner, um, I, I respect the amount of effort that it takes to be, for example, a triathlete. I mean, they're amazing. Oh, yeah. Our bodies just weren't designed to do that. that. That's a sport that is what I would consider a, a, a danger sport. It's not a healthy sport. Um, marathoning is a danger sport. It's not, you know, I don't know if you know, 40% of all marathoners die of heart attacks. This is not something that, you know, you've got sky high cancer rates because of, you know, the fact that you're, you've got just all these antioxidants mm-hmm. are required to just suppress the extreme amount of free radical damage done by this kind of stuff. So the body was made, if you want to say that, the body has evolved, if you want to say that, um, to, to be very specific with its, with its uh, exercise. I like what Tim Ferriss says. It's prescriptive. Yeah. Um, it's very targeted. We, we would grab a spear, go hunt an animal. And most of that was walking. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of walking. Okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we'd have to sprint. That was our sprinting. We would throw the spear, kill the animal, and then we would drag the animal back. And that was our weight training. Doesn't so, that all sound fun? 
Well, that sounds like no fun at all to me, right? But it's, <laughs> I just, I, I'm just not a big hunter guy. But, but back then, it's like do this or die, right? And yeah. they weren't going around and enchanting and, and, and thanking the universe and picking berries. This is this is fantasy land. They were these guys, the hunter gatherers. That's what that meant. And and yeah. there were there were certain people that most, you know a lot of people were relegated, from my understanding, to just gather whenever berries and fruits were in season which was about three months out of the year yeah. to gather those things because they were so rare yeah. um, to eat and, and to gather the nuts and all that kind of stuff. Um, so th this is like if you look at exercise that way and then you look at marathoners, it makes no sense. When you look at sprinters, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Sprinters look the way they look. They look like miniature bodybuilders. Yeah. And if you don't believe it, then try it yourself, running a marathon versus sprinting and see how you look and feel. <laughs> yeah, I admire I, I can't do either. I, you know, there's, I'm just not built for it. You know, mm -hmm. I'd much rather do the training stuff, but uh, I, I really admire it. I'm a huge fan of walking. Um, so I like to walk, you know, five, six miles a day if I can. And, and then just, I walk brisk on an incline and, um, it's enough to get my heart rate up to as high as it needs to go. And it's like we used to walk all the time. So, yeah. I, yeah, and it's really good for the mind too. It clears the mind really, really well. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about, this is really interesting to me too. You're a great storyteller, John. Um, in, in your book, I think it was Fit Over 40, you talk about how by all other definitions, you were pretty much successful, right? Like you were a rock star, um, rich and, and supposedly happy to everyone else around there, but you were just like morbidly obese and mm -hmm. your life was falling apart. So what sort of, if someone is in that position, uh, it seems like kind of a predicament. Like wh where do you go and how do you get yourself out of that? Um, I see that all the time here. I mean, when I wrote Fit Over 40, I started writing it when I was 39 and, and finished it when I was 40. Um, and, um, so I was fit at 40, <laughs> uh, but so I, that's, as you know, I profiled 52 people where I got the name of the book because they were 40 to 80. Um, because I was more, their stories were very interesting to me, more interesting yeah. than my own. But how do you get out of that? Um. I see this all the time in, Mal in Malibu, uh, as you can imagine. There's a lot of wealthy yeah. people here, um, insanely wealthy. We're not talking about uh, our level or internet marketing wealthy or whatever. We're talking, you know, I mean, people look at us or people look at me here now and they go, oh, he makes, he's really rich. No, I'm not. I do well, but I know who's really rich. The dude down the street that he makes, you know, fifteen billion dollars a year and owns like half of Manhattan. That's rich. <laughs> uh, so, but you know, I look at these guys and are they happy? Yeah. And and yes, I had all the outside. I had the looks of it on the outside. I had the hot girlfriend. I had the the Porsche. I had at the time I thought I was making a lot of money, and, and you know now it's kind of a joke. But 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 in society's terms, perhaps I was, and I did not have the hell at all. Mm. And so here's how I got out of it. Um, other than the stories I've been telling you where, where, you know, everything I've told you is true. Yeah. What resonated most to me is when I, when I went through this process of deciding I wanted to get out of it, I hired a coach and I am a huge believer in role models and coaching. I mean, people that do not know the value of this, I just almost I almost feel sorry for them. Well, I do feel sorry for them in a way mm -hmm. because there's most people I hang out with are smarter than that. Yeah. But I'm just, my plea to people is to understand how important it is to have a coach. Notice I didn't say trainer. Okay. Now don't get me wrong. If you can have a personal trainer who's good and there's, that's about one out of a hundred, <laughs> uh, then Hey, you know, knock yourself out. I have a personal trainer 
And the only reason I have a personal trainer is because I want feedback and hand me my dumbbells, please. Yeah. It, I know that I will, I'm, I'm held accountable to being in the gym today because no matter how busy I get, I've got Dave sitting there waiting for me. And he's inspired me in many ways because he's older than I am and he shows me different things. He knows more. So, But that's not how I got into the conditions you see because I, I was training by myself during that time. But the point is, is, is a coach. And I remember I hired this coach named Susie. And she came in and she was this walking epitome of health um, and vitality and just mm-hmm amazing energy and she was um like at the time i thought she was like really old she was a whopping 43 years old <laughs> um and uh, i was like wow for an old lady she looks <laughs> uh, uh and i'm like now 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 i can joke lady so so now i can joke i'm 48 so uh, <laughs> so yeah she um she set me down and she told me the story of one of her clients and that story has stuck in my head ever since. So this is how I, this is what I would tell people, and, and it's a true story. Um, a guy called her in for coaching, and she came into the guy's house, and it was this labyrinth to get into the house. I mean, it's butler, servants, you know, overlooking the ocean, just a gorgeous place. And she said, "Where am I meeting him in his office?" And I said, "No, you're meeting him in his bedroom." And she said, "I don't think you understand. I'm a personal coach." <laughs> They go, no, 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 I don't think you understand. They escorted to the bedroom, and this guy was confined to his bed for the rest of his life. Wow. And not through anything, any disease that, that, that was like, uh, that was, uh, uh, it was totally lifestyle preventable. He was confined because he had his feet amputated through type 2 diabetes. Oof. Um, so any movement at all, he could get out of bed, but any movement at all would cause his, the room to spin because his glucose metabolism was so messed up. He would go through hypoglycemic bits. And so Susie tried to help him get over this. And he, he just said one thing to her that, that, that struck me. He said, all my life, I built, I built this, this, this wealth and the wealth in the house is now my coffee. <laughs> And that's it. So your body is either your, your tool to get around the world or it's your coffin. Yeah. And, and so is, you can say the same thing about your family. And I know that sounds really harsh, but a lot of people are like, oh, family is the most important thing ever. You know, I, I'm not a particularly religious guy, uh, but I ran into a pastor once that was um, probably 85 years old. And he said something really remarkable. He said he worked out every day. And so I said, I'm just curious, Pastor. Does anyone give you give you give you crap about that? Because you know, uh, the whole vanity thing. You know, because he looked real fit, 85. Yeah. yeah. And he said, he goes, son. You know, so he has Southern accent. So he goes, son. <laughs> uh, Lord gave me three things. He gave me a will. He gave me his word, and he gave me this pony. This pony he points at his body. He goes, without the pony, everything else dies. <laughs> I said, okay, the case closed. And so in other words, the longer the pony lives, his pony being his body, yeah. uh, and the more functional it is, the more his mission is carried out in life. That is true no matter what your profession is. Totally no true. If you're a father, then guess what? You're going to be a better father if you're fit and healthy. It's just that simple. I mean, yeah. your, your kids are going to pick up the role model. If you're your mom, uh, it's the same is true. And if you... If all that isn't enough, we now know that RNA sequencing takes place and passes these traits immediately down to children. Yeah. So it's 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 a huge calling that we've got, with, but um, you know somebody's got to make it. <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody's got to make make these things really out there. And no one's saying it's easy, but there are easier ways to do it than others. And that's, right. That's what I'm asking people to find. Find the easiest way to do it that's not like a cop out, like taking a pill. That's never going to get you there. 
<laughs> yeah, so Mark Sisson uh, recently wrote something about like what the best fat burners do, and it's like th- they burn off three macadamia nuts a day. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Mark's a good friend of mine. He he, he lives down the street, as a matter of fact. Oh, we, really? Yeah, we train at the same gym, and um, uh, it, 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 <laughs> he's pretty hardcore, man. He's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's uh, he he walks it and lives it, and he he doesn't like to be in the gym any longer than he absolutely has to be. Yeah, and then he's out doing something like you know, paddle boarding or hiking or, you know, something that's very burst oriented activity because he's yeah. in that. And, um, I tell you, he's an extremely healthy dude and he and looks he's very serious about having fun. <laughs> and, and let me, let me just say this if I can, uh, yeah. the, uh, I'm about to relaunch my original book was fit over 40, but that is becoming a brand. So it's fit over 40 has gone from a book to a brand. Oh, wow. Uh, when this relaunches in October, it's going to be huge. We've got a celebrity um, who's a good friend of mine that's going to be the, the face of Fit Over 40. She's amazing at 51. She's incredibly fit and healthy. Cool. Um, and I wanted someone other than myself because you know I'm going to be the guy like Bill Phillips behind the scenes and do, writing the hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm. But we were looking at what is the, what, what's our model and what's our what's our audience going to be, and our audience is not going to be geriatric fitness. Because yeah. none of us, I looked at the team of writers we have, none of us fit that description. Yeah. None of us do. So we decided to be, for lack of better words, we are, we're the, we're the new, the new 20s and 30s. Basically, yeah. that's because we had to take their place. Because, you know, I hear, you know, people like in high school talking about how old so-and-so is. It's like, Really? Because they can totally kick your ass. <laughs> yeah. Every single thing. They look better than you. They wear smaller jeans than you. They can run further than you. They can certainly out. You know, so, so who's who's younger? Yeah. I mean, if you're defining age as strictly chronological, sure. But not, I, I think that's a silly definition. For so this is for serious fitness over forty. For people that that literally want to turn back the clock. That that want to look at, feel it, act it, live it, and also it's a little bit of a thumbs up thumbs down to what's going on in in, in the younger generation mm-hmm. to try to get them to in, and I mean this in the in the most respectful way a little bit of a slap but it's a slap of love wake up yeah you can not only can you be this way you can be better so that's the challenge we're going to give to people it's not oh poor pitiful people no it's wake up that's so cool two other words in between that that I won't say on the air but, <laughs> yeah uh, I can guess what they probably are. You know, it's yeah. funny you say that. I, I was talking to Rob Wolf a little while back, and he was talking about Art Devaney, who I think was like 78 at the time or something like that. Yeah. And they were sprinting across an icy crosswalk in New York, and Art Devaney just like wiped the floor with Rob, who's definitely you know in really good shape. And so that's just like you look at these pictures of some of the people, especially in Fit Over 40 in the original book, and, uh, and you, for example. I mean, you can be in monstrous shape. And be well beyond forty, well beyond sixty or seventy, even. Oh yeah, I, I mean, it's it's how far you want to take it. So again, um, I hear the most common thing I hear, other than I would buy your book, but I'm fifty six, and I just kind of give the blank stare, cow at a passing train, look, and go, what part of over forty aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I began to realize maybe the marketing isn't exactly right on the money here, but but uh, so yeah, so so people would see forty instead, they wouldn't think of themselves. But but yeah, I mean, you can look through the book and find people that are fifty six and they're just lean and they're fit and they're not like bodybuilders or anything, but they're just they got that vivacious energy, kind of like Mark. Yeah, and Mark is a perfect description of that. Um, and uh, although Mark Mark is fairly muscular as well, but he's he's not a big guy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then you can find the guys that, that, that they want to take it to the new level. But guess what? It's the same exact approach. There's not one approach that says, oh, I only want to get toned. So I'm going to do this workout versus I don't want to look like John. He's a bodybuilder, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's the same freaking workout. Yeah. It's the same diet. The only thing is, is guess what? I go further. Mm-hmm. You can stop any time. Right. I mean, there's not a gun to you. You're not going to wake up one day with 18-inch arms. I mean, so it's like just go as far as you want to go and stop. And then you can just literally maintain yourself. So that's our educational system with training. It, it's same. We train women and men exactly the same. There's no biological difference. Yeah. You know what? I think it's sexist to say there is. I think I did a whole video on this that the whole women train this way, men train this way started mm-hmm. from sexism, and it did. If you look back at the advertising history of it, it started from sexism. Wow. Like Mad Men. I don't know if you look at watch Mad Men. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, Mad Men is a, is a glaring look at you know the sexism that that took place in the 50s, 60s, 70s in, in Madison, mm-hmm. in New York advertising, uh, Madison Avenue area. Yeah, and it's just it's pathetic. Uh, ladies, you don't train any different than we do. You shouldn't. You should train exactly the same, and that shouldn't scare you. That should liberate you. Right. That's not to say that they'll look like you, though, when they're done. Not at all, because they, they have one-tenth the testosterone. They're, there's right. no way they can do that unless they, they were to take drugs. And the women that you see in the magazines that do take drugs, of course they look like men, because biologically they are. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the men look like something from because uh, the, their testosterone levels are 3,000 or some outrageous number like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're into a very healthy way approaching extreme fitness, if that makes sense. So... Not running marathons, we're not talking about that, but we're talking about can I sprint down the beach and improve my improve my time every every week or every every month. At the same time, can I drop my body fat down lower? And and if I want to fit into a dress, I want to fit into a kick-ass dress. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to just fit into a dress that looks good. I want to fit into a dress that looks great. Yeah. I'm not saying I want to be 55 and look like I'm trying to be in high school, but there are <laughs> dresses that women can wear at 55 that look freaking hot. Okay. I, I just got an image of you in a dress and it wasn't a pretty one. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But, uh, but, yeah, but I, I do, I, a, lot of the, a lot of the audience is women. And so yeah. I just, man, that's why the spokesperson who is a female, um, and uh, everyone would know her name if I said it, um, it's going to be a surprise announcement. But cool. one of the reasons I wanted my friend and this person to be um, the face of this was because uh, it's man. I mean, I can't think of a, a stronger woman uh, to say, "Look what you can do." And she doesn't look like a bodybuilder at all. Yeah. She looks just looks very fit, healthy, and glowing. And she looks ten years younger than her age. Yeah, that's great. And I like what you said too. Not many people. I, I haven't heard this much. You can stop whenever you want to. Like yeah. for for me, I can uh, I can personally attest that Allison said to me the other day, and you haven't met her, John, but hopefully someday you will. Uh, she's my girlfriend. She said she's like, "Wow, you've put on a bunch of muscle." recently like are you trying to do that like are you gonna stop <laughs> i'm just it's funny because i'm just working out the same way but the muscle is like accumulating over mm-hmm. time like the more that i do sprinting and the more that i just like do these functional exercises the more it piles on but um it's not more work i'm not really working any harder it's just happening but you can stop whenever you want to when you reach that point where you're happy you can just stop you don't have to be a monster yeah um, absolutely not and by, by the way your mind controls so much more than you realize yeah so once you said my mind right now is focused but by the way let me just i'll get a, a little plug in edgewise even though it's not really a plug. i'm on the <laughs> cover of iron man magazine this month no way yeah it's good it, for it's, you it's the subs it's the it's the i mean my pictures are on the little subset pictures you know uh just to be on the cover of what is the the greatest magazine i think ever in bodybuilding uh, is, is it honor yeah 
I've been asked to do the cover cover in September, which would push me to an entire, in order to do that, I would need to gain about seven or eight pounds of muscle and, and get in the best shape of my entire life. Yeah. So, um, and that's the challenge I'm willing to take. And, and so the, at 48, can you do it? Hell yeah. I'll, I'll do it right by my birthday, by the time I'm 49. And, and without, you know, cheating, without drugs. And, and this is, to, it's, to have that opportunity is huge. I mean, yeah. a real blessing to have that opportunity. But, and if anybody wants to read the whole story, there's a five-page article in there that talks about how um, I went from fat to fit is the name of the article. But, um, but yeah, to be on, the, be on that cover um, <laughs> is such a huge motivator. And so I can say in my head, I need eight pounds. I need eight pounds. Mm-hmm. I need eight pounds. And, and I need to be, at, you know, whatever, 3% body fat, 4% body fat. I'm not going to get lower than that because it's unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and, and even for a day. And so uh, 4% body fat, believe it or not, is not unhealthy even for a day. But that's about the borderline for me. Yeah. Um, so, but that's pretty ripped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you get down there uh, uh, and I, I just, that's my mindset. It, that's all I think about. That, and, and hear me out, especially ladies. If you get to the point where you're working out and you're going, you know what? I love my body just the way it is. First of all, welcome to the half percent club. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're part of about a half percent of the entire world that says, you know, I just like my body. I finally achieved the body I want. Rock on. Uh, if you get there, and, and that's awesome if you do, um, all you have to do is change your mindset to say, I just want to stay here. Yeah. And your workouts will reflect that. I know that sounds woo-woo, but it's not woo-woo at all. I mean, it's like you walk in the gym and go, I just want to maintain. And you're, So your body's naturally not going to try to push you to do more weight or push mm-hmm. you to do more than you need. So, yes, you can maintain it. I know a few people lucky enough to do it. Personally, I don't want to maintain. I want to <laughs> you want the cover. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's awesome, John. I didn't know anything about that. That's totally killer news. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll see if I can pull it off. So um, <laughs> oh, I'm sure you can. Well, we're coming up on time. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or plug before we go our separate ways? Oh, uh, just, you know, if I, if, if I always like to leave, leave people um, with, you know, being inspired is great. And we talked about this earlier. Being reminded is more important. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not needing more information per se, but being reminded of what we already know. Um, so some of the best inspirers for me, and I literally call them inspirers, like it as if there was a noun that explains <laughs> these people, but, but people that inspire me, um, are people who continually remind me of not only how far I've come in my life, but how far I desire to go. Hmm. So if, if you can do one thing, surround yourself with people who believe in the greatest possible potential for you. And that this is going to sound completely off the topic of fitness. It is completely on the topic of fitness. Yeah. I believe I have been, I have been around both. I have been around people who were, who came from a fitness background and they were successful and they were jealous when I got into this and actually wrote a book that did well. Mm-hmm. I, I had people that were wanting me to stay fat because they were fat. Yeah. And this is this is doubly hard on women. Uh, I mean, I, I keep coming back to, to. It sounds like I'm kissing butt to women, but I, I literally, I've, I've been. It's been a pleasure to learn so much about the opposite sex, and not only how to write to them, but also understand really what they're going through as much as human, as much as you can as a male. Mm-hmm. And, and if they're in a relationship with a guy that's like that, once it's a protection thing. I want to keep her, and if she gets she gets in shape, maybe other, you know, all these things. Ditch those people. 
Yeah. Don't think twice about it. Surround yourself with people that believe in your highest possible potential. And that's what that's what will happen. You cannot possibly fail if the most of at least most of the people in your life are going, Hey, Abel, man, you can do this, man. Totally believe in you. And I, I got your back. I love that. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not not the small talk, polite southern version. Yeah. The real version. People that actually do see you as greater than you are. That's awesome. That's truly awesome. So we gotta get you back. To Austin pretty soon so we can jam out <laughs> actually to the to those uh, listening out there John and I actually met while I was playing a show in downtown Austin and we had a nice drunk little chat <laughs> it, it, it was yeah I don't remember being drunk so it must, I, I was, <laughs> one of the rare times in my life where I was drunk or uh, yeah um, I think in Austin though I did go through a brief like five week spell where I drank more than usual because it was like I, I was really unhappy there uh, with the the weather and allergies and stuff like that. But yes, I will, I will plead guilty to that. And we did meet during, uh, during the music stuff. Um, and I love vino, but that night I loved it a little too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we all do from time to time, especially at shows. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, uh, I, I, I used to be a professional musician. So I, I, it's funny cause I, I, I never drank, never did drugs, never, you know, from the stage I would have Diet Coke. Yeah. It's still my, it's still my kryptonite. Everyone, everyone has to have a few vices. So if people have no vices, they bore me. Like um, you said, life is too short to not have a vice or two. You gotta have a vice or two. As long as it's health, as long as it's not dangerous, like in the sense yeah. that we'll kill somebody else. Then, then yeah, we're not talking about crack. <laughs> not a good vice, no. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, John. We'll have to have you back again soon. And congrats on, uh, on getting the cover of the magazine and all the other exciting things you have going on. Thank you so much, Abel. All right. Cheers. We'll talk to you soon. Talk about turning your health around. Uh, John's book, Fit Over 40, is awesome. Uh, You guys should totally check it out. And you can hear more from John at johnbensonfitness.com. And John is without an H. And uh, before you forget, please head over to Amazon. Type in Intro to Paleo. Uh, My ebook should come up. You can download it for free and leave a quick review, uh, hopefully about how much you liked it. And until next week, I'll be talking to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers.